back in the mid aughts, VH1 ran a really cool series called I Love the 90s. I was a regular viewer. Uh, and the mighty team here at Collect This wanted to replicate it to do a sports card version of I Love the 90s. And we ultimately decided that a series, a whole series, might be a bit much, but we agreed that a multi-parter celebrating the athletes and the cards of that magical decade would be just about right. So, to that end, here is part two of the 90s-centric edition of Collect This. And we don't... Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, a podcast for collectors, by collectors. Here's your host, Alan Goldsher. Our returning champion, John Finkel, back for more fun looking at the 1990s. We'll get the deep dive into what exactly this is about momentarily. Uh, but John wrote a couple of sports books over the last, uh, I guess, three years now. Um, Windmills and Tomahawks, non-chapters on Dominique Wilkins in 1996, a biography. Highly, highly recommended. Before we hear from John, uh, check out the special deal for you Collectus listeners. And studies have shown that Collectus listeners and guests, John, are exceedingly good looking. Uh, head over to csgcards.com slash join select premium and use the promo code Collectus, and you can join CSG at the premium level for just off the regular price. Not only that, but you'll get a $150 savings cash credit, so the price of membership pays for itself. I wait this far! (laughs) You'll get access to exclusive benefits like discounts on select add-on services, 24-7 online submission tracking, and 10% off at the CCG store. Once again, csgcards.com slash join select premium and use the code collect this. Get your grade on with CSG. So, John, you were here on our last episode, and you have graciously decided to come back to talk more about the athletes of the 90s and the cards of th- that represent them, that best represent these athletes. Now, the the previous list, your, your last five, your first five, I should say, uh, Andre Agassi, Randall Cunningham, Penny Hardaway, Ricky Henderson, and Allen Iverson. Mine were Wayne Gretzky, Tony Gwynn, Greg Maddox, Dikembe Mutombo, and Shaquille O'Neal. We're doing this all in alphabetical order. And as you can tell... Our goal in this isn't to hype the goats, right? There are goats on the list, but we want to talk about the guys that that represented the '90s to us. Yeah, I think the key for me was like I, I think we, I left a couple people off, like we said, like obviously Jordan, obviously Griffey. You know, we had a couple other guys, you know, on there who could you could argue, obviously Iverson, also some of these guys. But the key was also to pick guys that meant something to us, both as a you know personally and then culturally, and who they who they who we thought would, would embody the 90s guys like agassi and all that well put you should do this for a living all right uh we're gonna switch off we're gonna alternate we're gonna go in alphabetical order as was the case the first time around uh john who is your first of your second five so i am confident that you do not have this guy on your list and he is an all all all-time great but i wanted to be i wanted to make sure i had a nice spread like i said i'm I'm an organized guy first i was going to go three football three basketball three baseball and then i was like let me just mix it up a little bit and get some other guys in that's how i got agassi then I was thinking of boxing and Tyson, obviously mm. too obvious, too obvious for me. Okay. Number you know, amazing. My guy throughout the nineties, Roy Jones, Jr. Oh, wow. Electric. I don't care what I, I know. There's other guys, especially in the nineties coming up. I grew up watching marvelous Morgan have Hagler. He's much more of the eighties guy, you know, pride, Massachusetts, Brockton, mass. But Roy Jones, Jr. Was the size, the speed, the ring entrances with Redman and Method Man. He was the guy in the 90s for me in boxing. Um, there's not a ton of boxing cards, <laughs> as you probably yeah. know. 
There is a sweet boxing card of his amateur years uh, from a company called KO Boxing. And Roy Jones has a, let's call him as a junior middleweight. He's clearly younger. His head's shaved. He probably looks like he's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but fighting now, you know, it's like the, the Jake Pauls of the world. It's, oh, they're all, you know, hype fights of who's going to fight who. But when back when men were men and they actually <laughs> fought people with their fists and middleweights and junior middleweights worked their way up to heavyweights to fight the bigger guys, right. Roy Jones Jr. was the guy. Well, and, and what's the card again? What, what's the... It's a KO boxing card. K-A-Y-O. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a Roy Jones Jr. middleweight. It's cool. It has a little kangaroo in the bottom corner of it. K-O is K-A-Y-O. Obviously, like, K-O knockout, but spelled out. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. I did not... I found other cards of him from the 2000s, like, obviously, like, the Allen and Gittner have the classic card. You know, they've remade a bunch of his earlier fights, but this is the only card I could find that was actually, like, they're called... It's, like, on the, on the sites that I found it on, it's like a rookie card basically a rookie boxing card that's what they say boxing in the 90s that was the last great era of boxing when you would get hyped about a fight you would it was appointment television if there was yeah. you know you would you would pay the pay-per-view price for a tyson holyfield kind of a thing uh and from a pop culture perspective and from a a, a broader sports perspective it kind of bums me out that boxing when listen you run into a good bout you run into a good bout. Like good boxing is still good boxing. But the days of, you know, the Roy Joneses and the Hagglers and the Tysons and the Holyfields and even like the Riddick Bows of the world, those are long gone. And I don't think we're ever going to see that again. And, you know, the UFC obviously is, is kind of replaced um, boxing in the hearts of, of fans who want to see hand to hand combat. But I kind of do miss that boxing culture. Yeah, it was it was just a different time, and like they all had their ring entrances, kind of like WWE style, yeah. and like they would have like a, their own song, and it was a big deal, and the, the fights would go on forever. And you had Larry Merchant, and you had you know Jim Lampley. Yeah. It, was, it was a thing. It, it was not, it's not a thing anymore. Um, I know you know, like you said, there's Tyson Fury, and there's some guys who who are interesting, but um, but that back then it, it sort of felt like. If you had an A-lister up there, and Tyson's the guy, I, you know, he's an obvious. He, Tim, I put him up with like the Kobe Jordan level, like right, obvious, right? But uh, Roy Jones Jr. would be my next guy. I love that. I love that. Um, my first guy in the second half of the alphabet. Uh, he is a goat. He's the last goat I have. On. No, not. I mean, there's goats and there's goats. This guy is a goat. He's a legit goat with capital G, capital O, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and another one of these. We talked about this in the last episode. One of these athletes who, when I watched him uh, during his career used to drive me nuts and I didn't love him as much as I do now. That would be Jerry Rice. Uh, he was an artist. Nobody, if you run a route, you owe Jerry Rice something. You owe Jerry Rice like royalties. <laughs> if you like yeah. Cooper Cup should give Jerry Rice like, you know, nine cents for every touchdown just because he, he did it first. Um, and he was an artist. And I'll tell you something interesting about Jerry Rice. Uh, a lot of these guys we're talking about aren't necessarily transcendent to a younger generation of collectors. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, and we're recording this in January of 2023, uh, I went to the Chicago Sports Spectacular, which is uh, just a convention about cards and, and stuff. It's not just a collector's convention. There's a lot of athletes there, some more athletes signing autographs than at your typical card uh, convention. And Jerry Rice was there. And he wasn't the finger quote biggest name, certainly in Chicago. Um, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine were there, uh, current Bulls. Um, and there were just some huge names there. Rice was like amongst the best names, the biggest names. But more people were in his line and more people were walking around with gear that they had brought in from outside, a helmet, a jersey, a card, etc. 
Um, and, and the card that I am uh, eyeballing is the 87 Tops All Pro card. And the weird thing about this card, okay, is it looks like he's about to throw a pass. And it's possible that that's just the way the ball was being held. Uh, but when I was yeah. gazing lovingly at this card, I did a little research, Sean. Uh, in his career, this is pretty solid numbers, uh, he threw 10 passes. He completed three of them, one of them for a touchdown. Okay, now the completion percentage, not great. But three passes, one touchdown, that's like Hall of Fame right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. You know, he was out the other night uh, on the, the Niners playoff game you know, on the field. He's super popular. I've been I've been to the expo a few times, too. Like, yeah, he's one of those guys that when he shows up to places, there's like a mystique. Um, and and I think he, he has he's always had that grace. Like he's just because he's not Randy Moss. He's not six four. Yeah just freak athlete, ridiculous Calvin Johnson wingspan type guy. He was just the best at every possible fundamental imaginable. And he was fast. It's not to make it sound like he's not, but, but he was not like a physical specimen. He made himself be the best. And, and also people kind of push this when, when they mention it, he was smart about avoiding hits. You know, he wasn't macho. And then in the nineties that uh, could be viewed as a negative. But he was able to play, probably extended Forever. his career like two or three years. I mean, when he was the Raiders at the end of his career, he was still making noise because he was smart enough to go out of bounds after he got the first down. You don't need those extra two yards unless there's an end zone around because uh, you're going to get yeah. clocked. If you can step out of bounds at the t- 28 after crossing the yeah. 29 for your first down, you're cool. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't think, uh, I do believe that having Montana and young, not hang them out to dry over the middle, yeah. like some of the other guys were quarterbacks. I mean, you always saw that early on, like, you know, these guys would come in and, and the, the guys who were, the were better receivers just get their heads taken off back then. Cause they were just leading them into these coverages. So he did have the luxury of playing with super smart QBs who were like constantly making sure they didn't get it, their, their, their star decapitated. Yeah. A wise, a wise, a wise, a wise idea. All right, who's uh, number two in your part two batch? Number two is the only one on the list that I went near and dear to my heart. They all matter to me, but I didn't pick anyone from my own teams. I grew up in Boston. I've been on the show before, but for those who don't remember. And uh, this guy definitely had like the pinnacle of his career team-wise in the early 2000s. But I would argue his greatest season uh, was in 1999. And I'm talking about none other than Pedro Martinez. Mm. To me... Greatest pitcher of all time, greatest Red Sox of all time, greatest athlete I've ever seen on the mound of baseball. Yeah. He, this dude had all the pitches. He had all the intimidation. He had all the swagger and the cockiness and all the stats you could ever possibly want to have domination. And he was like 5'10", 175 pounds <laughs> and just uncorked lasers and rockets and grenades yeah, at guys yeah. and he had he had eras this is when if you're talking when you mentioned uh in the last episode you know chicks take the long ball this is the era of chicks did the long ball this was mcguire doing steroids palmero doing steroids these were guys he went up against over and over and his era was like 0.8 bananas <laughs> so absolutely dominating i had to put him on here uh, and I was trying to look for a card that would like be perfect for that 99 year. And uh, I actually turned out to be the best card that I liked the most, clearly not the most valuable, was a 1999 Sports Illustrated for Kids card, mm. a cutout card. But it is perfect. It's Pedro just about to unfurl 
like probably like a 102 mile an hour to make someone look stupid in the batter's box. So that's who I have. Later <laughs> the Sports Illustrated kit for kids cards are no joke, right? Um, I think there's yeah. a Tiger Woods one that was worth a, like in a yes. perfect condition that was worth a lot of money. And admittedly, Tiger yeah. Woods is Tiger Woods. There's a Serena Williams one, too. Yeah. I think that's worth a ton. Of- yep. So do not dismiss those. Um, yeah, man, Pedro was a, a rail. And I, as noted when I was gushing about uh, Greg Maddox last episode, um, I dig low ERAs. I dig long balls, but I dig low ERAs more. And Pedro was like an artist in that respect. And the, and, and the cool thing about him is he hit corners at like 98 miles an hour. Yeah, you know, I, I had the luxury of seeing him in that 99 All-Star game in person. Uh, when he struck out, I always forget, but it was like Bonds, Sosa, like Larry, you know, um, what was the guy from the Rockies? Uh, I'm getting old and forgetting names all the time, but he struck out like four Hall of Famers uh, in a row on that team. And like, he was just, he had the, he had the big like billow. He used to cut his sleeves because they said that he would, he would go so fast on his, on his motion that he would get razor burn and rug burn from his sleeves on underneath. And so like, he just had everything, especially growing up in Boston, but like, he had everything you would want from that star pitcher. And for me, you know, when they finally beat those Yankees, those were in 2001, two, three, you know, those battles. And then Oh four, we won, but, uh, the 98, 99, when we got Pedro quintessential nineties pitcher. And, uh, like I said, for me, greatest pitcher of all time. I love it. I love it. And by the way, um, uh, I did not emphasize this in this episode. A John and I, uh, did not tell each other our lists before we went on the air. B we are up to, um, he's done seven, I've done six, and we have yet to duplicate a single athlete, which I kind of love. Um, so my guy, we talked about in the last episode, aura, right? About uh, when there's a celebrity, when there's a public figure, uh, they have an aura about them. And both of us have, have interviewed uh, and worked with a lot of uh, well-known athletes, a lot of well-known uh, public figures, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there's a, a, a scant few of them that have this thing that when you're in their orbit, you feel it. Um, David Robinson was one of those guys. Uh, and not only did he have that aura, but he had these arms. And, you know, what? he's a statue. He is a walking, living god of a statue. His, his arms are just sculpted perfectly. His game was perfect. He was just a wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, boy, talk about a, a selfless guy sort of ceding uh, control of the team over to Tim Duncan later in his career um, and, and just waiting all those years yeah. to to play professional ball so he could fulfill his military duty just a great guy and a great player and you know hall of famer obviously one of the top 75 players obviously but still is forgotten to an extent yeah i i think it's hard to explain um and i keep saying that but it is because you have to watch these guys and have been in their era but from a physical standpoint he's the most perfect physical specimen humanity maybe ever produced he is amazing he is all of seven feet and cut and sculpted and just perfect like the perfect human man of size and symmetry and musculature um also probably could have averaged like 40 and 25 if he was a different kind of player if he wanted to there was nobody who could hang with him and nobody who could stop him no, and no. i and, and i and you know i had him on we had a dad podcast i used to have where he's just an amazing father his kids are all good kids and uh one of the, my favorite things is uh that like he the blueprint to not tank in the nba is what happened to the spurs right you have yeah. a, a super duper star who just and, and it just happened to the warriors like you just need him to just go down for a year, <laughs> just one yeah. year, 
Yeah. And everybody stinks. And if that happens, which is what they did, they got rid of everybody because they knew Duncan was on the horizon and they won the lottery and they got it. And then they had those two. And that is always like, unfortunately, you can't have your super duper star just sit out a year to that you can tank and be terrible. But um, <laughs> every time it has happened in the NBA on where it's like an unfortunate, you know, like you said, like finger quotes issue. The team comes back on like a five-year run afterward with their super duper star, and then their new rookie super duper star learning from their other superstar. And now, yeah. well, as sexy as David Robinson's arms are, there aren't that many sexy David Robinson cards. Yeah, um, the one the one I kind of dig is the '93 Tops Finest. Um, it's a foil card, and of all the cards I did research on, this is the one that best shows off his arms. And I know I'm gushing about the arms, but I mean, do a deep dive into those things. It's like yeah. you said, it's perfection. Yep. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's made out of marble. Made out of marble. All right. We got three more each. Who's your, uh, who's next on your hit list? My next guy is still to this day. I will say the most exciting running back I have ever seen. Uh, I think we, liked, I think we hit on one. I think we, we hit, hit on, on one, one together. Uh, like, yeah. like your boy Maddox was languishing, although, or I'm sorry, uh, like Tony Gwynn languished in one place on a bad team for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. But if you want to get nostalgic and get excited about highlights, then you got to go to Barry Sanders. You have That's to. Yep. They're the first one we hit on together. It's which impossible you, not yeah. to. You can't leave him out of any list. No, and he can't. never played in Super Bowls and was on terrible teams. And I probably only played in the playoffs three or four times. And, you know what rodney pete who were his quarterbacks and you know he had herman oh Moore. God. like yeah i mean no one he played with like one other pro bowler occasionally over a 15 year or 12 year excellent <laughs> career left early i think out of just sheer frustration with being <laughs> in a bad scene played on turf indoors which wrecked his knees probably even more yeah um, yeah but barry sanders was just go on youtube type barry sanders runs and spend four minutes swing uh, being happy that he existed uh, on the football field and the I was trying to find a card where he's like mid spin move because that was such a classic low center. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, and and like you, upper deck really did have a, a, the pick of the litter for a while. So I have the 1994 Barry Sanders upper deck. It'd be crazy if you have the exact same card, but I don't. I do not have the exact same card. Um, I'll, before I tell you my card, um, a couple Barry Sanders things. One, another one of these guys who I I did not love when uh, he was playing because he always used to do horrible horrible things to the Bears. Two. This guy, all right, when he would break one, it was great. But my favorite Sanders runs, and I'm sure if you go to YouTube, there's plenty of these, are when he made two yards out of nothing. Uh, He would get, yeah, uh, amazing. He'd get like pushed over to the sideline, and then he'd go backwards, and then backwards some more, and then run all the way across the field, do a couple of these aforementioned spin moves, get back to the line of scrimmage, get racked up a couple times and, and dive forward and get two yards on a play that took like 30 seconds. I was going to yeah. say the beauty of those plays was they were like 38 second runs where he covered like 107 yards <laughs> and then it would be like third and seven. And you'd be, and you'd be psyched if you were the opposition, you'd be like, okay, we held them to three yards on that play. We're awesome. And yeah, I mean, boy, talk about how bad those teams were that they could, that Barry Sanders, one of the three greatest, and I would put him, behind uh jim brown walter payton and then uh, sorry sorry emmett smith but that's that's, that's my guy oh i the, run, the, always was if you switched offensive lines with barry and emmett emmett mm. is not emmett barry no. is a barry we never saw before barry is 100%. next level maybe 2200 2300 yards a season no joke possible 
Emmett probably has like a nine year career because he was a smaller guy. Yeah. Um, maybe a couple of Pro Bowls because he, you know, not knocking his talent, but like he wasn't playing behind five All Pro Hall of Famers no. for ten years. <laughs> no, that's a really great point. Um, then the the last thing before I reveal my Barry card. Whoa, I want to say like three years ago, four years ago, uh, right around when the pandemic collecting hockey stick was happening, there was someone who, and I don't know the story behind how this thing came to pass, who sold a urinal from Ford Field signed by Barry Sanders for like $20,000. <laughs> That's hilarious. Isn't that the best collecting <laughs> thing ever? Um, yeah. My card is the 99 Donruss Elite Passing the Torch card. And those Passing the Torch series were really fun. Um, you know, they'd have a Jim Brown and a Walter Payton and a Barry Sanders card. Uh, terrific concept. And in this card, he's got, a, you know, a Barry Sanders pose. Uh, and behind it, as is the case with, um, to some extent, all of these um, uh, Passing the Torch cards, there were like these sunbeams, right? It was so, it, it, it wasn't 90s nostalgia. This card was 99, but it was more like 70s nostalgia. And I think that was kind of the point of all of this. Uh, a lot of fun, a great card, great series, and obviously a great running back. Uh, we're coming down the home stretch, bud. Who is your number nine? Well, uh, this was funny because it's like I never really thought about it um, when I like watched it at the time, but it doesn't matter. But the two most electric players in the NFL for the '90s were Sanders's, Dion, Dion Sanders. Ah, oh, prime Deion time, Sanders. So I want, like, for me, obviously the Super Bowls with with the Cowboys, the Super Bowl with the Niners, amazing. But real prime time was Atlanta Falcons, black uniform, chains dangling, running down the sideline, high stepping, still returning punts and kicks because, you know, he, he, was, he was not trying to be a receiver and all these other things just yet. But prime, prime time, 91, 92, 93, Atlanta Falcons, all pro, shut down corner. I don't know how many kickoff returns he had for touchdowns or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 yards at a clip, <laughs> but also like, you know, uh, I would put I put Iverson in him as just like ooze is cool. Like you yeah. look at him and you're like, there's only one man who can pull that off, and it's yeah. Deion Sanders. And so I tried to find the classic, and I remembered this one. Uh, it's a '91 Top Stadium Club where it looks like he's a, he's like running, looking back, clearly about to pick off a ball, turn around, and run for a touchdown, pick six. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. that's it. The '91 Top Stadium Club. No set of 90s icons uh, would be right to have in terms of charisma, style. Again, he was like, he had the commercials, he had the video games, um, and he did it all in, again, a kind of a crap Atlanta football team at the time. And then he became big capital prime Deion Sanders in Dallas and, and San Francisco. But uh, early, gritty, gutty, you know, Falcon Sanders was my guy. So... We all have teams that we love, our go-to teams, our, our teams we grew up with. And then we have teams that we just randomly like for whatever reason. Maybe they're uniforms. Maybe there's a player that captured our fancy. And that team um, up until, I don't know, the late uh, 90s, early 2000s, was the Atlanta Falcons. They were my, they just, I just kind of dug them. Big Jeff George guy, big Andre Rising guy. <laughs> no, I'm old, man. I was a big Steve, Steve Borkowski guy. Oh, wow. You're older than me, but okay. I'm way old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I had myself a nice Deion Sanders uh, uh, Atlanta Falcons jersey. Super cheesy, the you know the mesh jersey with like the the iron on patches, but and and the cheesy outline. It didn't even say Sanders on the back. It just had the twenty one on it. 
Well, everybody, you know what? The thing was, if you had a jersey with 21, there was only one guy it was going to be because there weren't many corners. Nobody offered yeah. for it. It was Dion. And like my, my birthday's on, on the 20, you know, it's a 20, it's a 21. So I've always done 21 for this teaser to my next guy. But uh, man, like always, always, always remember if you're going through 90s NFL highlights, they're, they're Dion and they're both saying Dion and Barry, you could do their own highlight film of the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I have a hunch here. We're going to close out with the same guy, uh, but I'm not going to, we're not definitely not second closing out with the same guy. Um, I tried to avoid taking Chicago guys uh, because you know, why be by we're trying to like be a little different, a little strange, but there's one guy to me that meant a lot in the nineties. Um, and that was the big hurt. Frank Thomas, uh, good dude out there in the steroid era, not doing steroids. Right. And we didn't know that at the time. Um, and obviously, you know, hindsight's 2020, uh, but there's something about him that was cool. And that might have been it. It might have just been like he's out there being clean, and we're sensing that uh, he doesn't have like that big Barry Bonds head or those you know Popeye uh, forearms that Mark McGuire had, or just the general weird physicality that Sammy Sosa had. Um, he was real, right? And that was something special. It means a lot to me for that reason. A, B. Uh, the first year I played fantasy baseball was 1989, his rookie year. And I took a flyer on him in the last round because, you know, I saw him in spring training and he was yeah. doing Frank Thomas things and he won me the league. So I always have a place for him in my heart, both personally uh, and as a viewer, as a fan. Uh, and, and the card I'm pointing to is the 92 Donruss Elite. Um, in it, he's holding two bats, right? As, as I remember this card. Me. You know this card? And one yeah. of the bats, the I don't remember what they the fungo bat or whatever, uh, it looked like it was about an eight pound bat. And he's got the normal size bat next to it, and then this like big freaking like tree trunk. And that to me and he was smiling. He had that smile. And you know, he has a, a rep here in Chicago of being inconsistent in terms of um uh working together. Sometimes apparently he's a sweetheart, sometimes he's a little uh, uh iffy, a little uh prickly, we'll go with. Uh, but in this picture, it was the happy Frank Thomas. It was the I want to hang out with you and give you a big hug, Frank Thomas. And yeah, he's he's special to me then, special to me now. Yeah, I liked him. He, he was he was like a farmer size guy. Like he just looked naturally yeah. big. I mean, now he yeah. does all these commercials and stuff. But like back then, he he just looked like he was uh, just a big burly dude um, who just hit bombs. And I remember I would always like for a little while it was him and Mo Vaughn were like the pride of like the AL first base. Yeah. And I was like, these two guys are like a they're WWE tag team partners. They were like yeah. <laughs> 600 pounds of swinging. Uh, and it was the big hurt and the hit dog. And I'd see them together and there were mountains of men, but uh, Frank Thomas is a good one. I like, it. I love it. All right. I'm going to count to three. And we're going to say the last name on our list at the same time, because I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. And remember, I, I, can't, I can't emphasize this enough. We did not tell each other our lists beforehand. We did not say there were no parameters. We didn't say there's got to be this many people in this sport, this many people in that sport. And if the guy that we're picking the same guy is, uh, is the same, that means eight out of the 10 guys, we were not on the same wavelength, which is great. Because again... That just exemplifies why this show is special, why the 90s are special, why John took the time to write a whole freaking book about <laughs> 1996. Okay, I'm going to count to three and we're going to say the name. You ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Dominique, Dominique Wilkins. Wilkins. Woo! Oh, man. 
You know, the thing with Dominique is of all the guys who don't get the respect they deserve from the 90s across all the sports, Dominique is the Barry Sanders of the NBA. Stuck mm. on a crap Hawks team, did more with that Hawks team than anybody could really imagine. Never played. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to disagree. I saw that Hawks team play live many, many times. They were good. That was a good team. Well, stuck on a team, meaning they didn't do anything. Like they got Spud, they no. got him. They never made the move for the number two, the real number two. I mean, he did not play with other all-stars ever. Doc made one all-star team with him. Spud was Kevin, a Didn't Kevin Willis make an all-star team once? I think he made it after he left. I think he was ah. on Tumbo. He might have made it with Matumbo even like ah. after like later in his career. So he never played, you know, he got, you know, he got hit like dinged for like losing to the Celtics. But again, five Hall of Famers. Ding for yeah. losing to the Bulls, three Hall of Famers. Ding yeah. for losing to the Cavs, but they had Darty and Mark Price, and like they had two Hall, of, they had two All Stars there. Like he never had the other guy to even grow with, um, yeah. and average you know twenty five thirty. Little known on the campus at the same time in Georgia as Herschel Walker, who forget now, but like back then, like <laughs> they might have had the best college football and basketball player on the cam- in the country at the same exact spot. Yeah. Um, but just the dunks are what they are, and the card that I found is the classic like. He just dunked hanging on. It'd be incredible if we end on having the same card. But it's mm. the Dominique Wilkins 96-97 Fleer yeah. where he's hanging on. Like he just finished the dunk. Athletic, like quads popping, like arms moving, like just just a stud. And uh, you know, behind Jordan to me, he's the you know, he's the next nineties star in basketball and Reebok commercials and all the things he had going on. Yeah, human highlight film, great nickname, uh legit human highlight film we talked about sports center a lot on the last episode uh he's one of those guys you since we did not have the nba package and we didn't have you know seven to ten uh national games a week the only time you get to see dominique is when he played your local team or on sports center and sports center bless their hearts uh would put together these packages and every game you're gonna see it, it is he the best in-game dunker in nba history it's him or Vince. It, it, you can't knock either of them, but because yeah. he was first, he took pride in the in-game dunk. So that was one of the differences that um, you know separated him from Jordan, separated him from even like the newer Blake Griffin guys was like, he wanted the dunk to matter and mean something so that you mm-hmm. wouldn't try to come up against him when he was coming down the lane the next time. Um, and so I, I'd say, I mean, it's impossible to say anything negative about Vince at all. It's, it's they're, they're the same. I mean, they're both yeah. the same. And- and Nick is a class act. I, uh, boy, this was, I want to say 93. Uh, I was at the Beverly center in uh, Los Angeles and, uh, the Beverly center is one of these, uh, structures, these malls, uh, where, um, there's kind of balcony. It's like a circular balcony on each floor. So you can see what was going on, on the floor below. We were there, uh, first thing in the morning, there's nobody around. And I was just kind of like hanging over the, the railing, looking around and th- there in the flo- floor below us is Dominique Wilkins. Okay. Remember nine in the morning, random day in Los Angeles. So I yelled at him, Dominique! And he looks up. I was like, he's like, I was like, wait, wait, I'm going to come down. And I ran down the escalator and the dude hung out. He hung out to wait for me. And, you know, cla- small thing, small moment, but a class act. You hear him on the air right now. He's terrific. Uh, you can't help, but you want to root for Dominique Wilkins. And the card that I picked is it, it exemplifies Dominique, but it also to me exemplifies the 90s and some of the cheese that made the 90s cards and 90s pop culture in general special. Uh, it's the 92-93 Top Stadium Club card. On it, it's, you know, he's in a mid-dunk, typical Dominique card pose, but behind him, it says Beam Team. Beam That's Team. Nice. That's awesome. It's so cheesy, and it's so 90s, 
And yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad that we ended on Dominique together. This is, it just it just makes sense. It's perfect bookend to this list. Um, I would have been weird if we both left him off, but it, now it's amazing that we both had him on to finish. And uh, yeah, he exemplifies '90s hoops, uh, and it's also kind of like an era. Like you know, obviously you say Jordan, it kind of spans through. Dominique very much, you know, his dunk contests were mostly in the eighties, but he did win, I think the 1990 dunk contest. Um, but he still was like dominant through, uh, through the early nineties. So congratulations to us for finishing on a winner. Nick. All right. Uh, if you want to know more about what John has to say about Dominique and I would highly recommend taking the time to read windmills and tomahawks as he said, nine chapters on Dominique Wilkins. And again, 1996, a biography. And again, like John and I are buddies at this point, we know each other for a couple of years now. We're both writers. We're, we both speak the same language. We both speak the same sports language, speak the same writing language. Uh, but I am legitimately uh, being honest and truthful when I say he's, his books are really freaking good. I read 1996 before I even met him. That's how much I, 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 I this is not a kissy kiss butt, we're buddies kind of thing. I legitimately enjoy your writing, and I would highly recommend that y'all read it. Um, and thanks for doing uh, Double Duty, John. You got it. This was fun. We always, uh, you know, I like being the go-to 90s guy. Anytime you need me, let me know. Just throw up that 90s back signal of like, of the silhouette of Dominique doing a windmill up in the sky and I'm, I'm there. I was going to say a silhouette of Wayne and Garth, but yeah, same basic. Uh, <laughs> that too. That too. Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady playoff contenders rookie card from 2000, or I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing. Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports car graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. And we don't. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldsher. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at collectthis at csgcards.com. This has been a presentation of the Collects Podcast Network.